You're listening to XOXO After Darkcast, in which three editors talk romance novels, sex, pop culture, relationships, writing. And did we mention sex? Yeah! From the ladies behind XOXOAfterDark.com, because the best conversations happen after dark. Hello, it is the XOXO After Darkcast. It is 2017, and we are back in the studio <laughs> For our first show of the new year. Thank and God. Good riddance, 2016. <laughs> oh, I know. You can say that again. Yes, yes. Burn that mofo to the ground. And uh, let it's us a whole start new world. Fresh. It is a new world. Exactly. New it does year, feel new fresh. You. And um, we are not going to talk about resolutions because, fah, who needs them? But <laughs> um, <laughs> not us. Not us. Not us. Okay, maybe there's a little residual 2016 curmudgeon still, <laughs> oh, still yeah. in here at the bottom of the tank. But we know, I know a lot of people um, do, and they want to sort of start fresh with 2017, even if it's not a formal resolution. Mm -hmm. And because we are all book ladies, we thought that it's possible some of you out there are also book people and maybe even writer people. And maybe some of you said, this is the year I'm going to try and get that book published or I'm going to write my book. Mm -hmm. So we figured we would talk a little bit about how you do that and um, how a book goes from it's sitting on your computer at home to comes to one of us and then becomes a book. So before we get into actually how that works, just a reminder as always, please visit us at xoxoafterdark.com to read free reads. We feature a new one every week. You can read in your browser for 30 days. We have new titles coming up all the time. Right now we have a sweeps, a new year, new you sweep. So if you are in fact the sort who likes a little help in remaking yourself at the start of a new year you can win a whole prize pack of books to reinvigorate yourself body and mind in whatever angle you choose so check that out and of course we always have lots of great content from our authors and uh contributors yay uh all right kate why don't you give an overview sort of overview of how the life cycle of um manuscript on someone some would be writers well desk to the num- the, kind of there's a little part before we get involved which is getting an agent but it works kind of similarly where you re- do a little research and and find out what types of agents and and who specifically you think you would connect with and then you query them you write them a letter that says hi i'm an aspiring author and i like your specific projects i think we would get along or you go to a writers conference and meet them and pitch them you tell them about your project and then hopefully they say either do these revisions and i'll take you on or welcome to the team and we're going to do this mm-hmm. we should actually have an agent on sometime soon to talk about that part of it because yes. i actually would love to know how they well a couple of my agent pals i've already said we, you should be on and they're like yes we just have to book great them, let's so. do that in the new good year. so let's skip yeah, that let's, part let's then let's do that okay. let's assume you have an assume agent you have an agent right. and um then the agent sends it to us via email and we read it that's the number one thing is that we yes, read we all the read submissions <laughs> And it can be a lot. There can be a lot of submissions. And then we, if we love it or it, or if we think that it's a, a good project, we think there's something there, we think we want to talk about it with our colleagues, we might send it to our colleagues and say, can you read this with me and tell me what you think? Or we might bring it up at our weekly editorial meeting where we sit down with the marketing team, the publicity team, the publishing team, and we basically pitch our bosses and say, I love this project. I think there's something here. Please give me the money to add it to our list, and here are the reasons why I think that it's viable. Right. I think some people think that 
you get to decide that all by yourself kind of like oh, yes no. and but we just as agents have to pitch us mm-hmm. we then have to pitch our bosses who hold the sack of cash and sometimes you love something and you pitch your heart out and the boss says eh, it sounds like something i've heard before or we don't really have room for that or I read it and I wasn't convinced, although I respect your editorial opinion. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of, as as everyone who's tried to get published knows, there are a lot of potential ways for it to go wrong. Yeah. But when it goes right, hopefully we get a little bit of money and we call your agent and say, I want to bring this author on and here's what I have to offer. And the agent says, that's not enough. <laughs> and then we say, they always say that. <laughs> we may have more or we don't have more or please give it to me anyway, please, please. Right. And then hopefully you get the book and... And you meet. Is that everything? Something else happened? I, you know, I was going to say that there's a bit more about, let's just say I wrote the next great cowboy story. And unfortunately, no one's reading cowboys right now. Mm. It, it really is important to kind of sort of, if you are a writer and you are being serious, you should know what's working in the market. Because I think that is equally as important as having a great voice mm-hmm. or something that you feel like you haven't seen before or something that is truly special. Mm-hmm. There's a great turn of a phrase. There's so many reasons that, that there's the writing and then there's the actual um, what the market will bear mm-hmm. um, factor. I think those are the two main things that... So really think about that um, if you do really seriously want to be published. If you're burning to write this story and that's mm-hmm. the book of your heart then by all means write it um but i think if you want to get pl- placement in a in a retail outlet i think it is important to know your market i i agree with that but i also disagree because mm-hmm. i do think that's more our purview is worrying about the market and yeah. the- well one of the challenges to remember is you sort of want to know but you also have to remember that if you write for the market that's out there right now, your book isn't going to be a book for another year and a half. Or two. Or three. two. So <laughs> you, True. It's, it's tough. It's, it's a, a chicken and an egg. It is. But you should, to speak to Lauren's point, if you're an aspiring writer and you're taking it seriously, you should be well-versed in the genre you are writing in yeah. and be able to know who's working in that market, have a few favorite authors that you read and enjoy and you know maybe write fan letters to or try and meet their agents, things like that. There are ways to be market-informed without being market-dictated. And, um, well and it's interesting. Check out a conference. Right. We talk, it, we've we heard, talk a we've lot podcasted from RT or yeah. RWA. And it's mm-hmm. a good way to meet other writers, but I do think there is value in being able to articulate why your book is different from, mm-hmm. say, let's say you're writing small town romance. How are you different from Susan Mallory? How are you different from Robin Kristen Carr? Higgins, Robin yeah. Carr, any of the great women? You mm-hmm. might say, I'm like her, but this is what makes my small town special. Yes. Um, and so, and I think that even goes for women's fiction. Um, mm-hmm. There are stories set in the South. Right. There is, you know, finding love again or second chance at. Mm-hmm. A, a, a relationship after death is right. it a sister story is it a mother daughter mm-hmm. story I think that there's right. is it a love story exactly is it overcoming adversity fish out of water right. there's so many different things I think you have more leeway mm-hmm. um, to be adventurous and mm-hmm. you're less constrained but I, I, even I think I'm pretty much 100% right that there's no market for a medieval right now. You Wait, know? you think you're 100% right about something? I know. I'm weird. <laughs> I am 100% right you about are, this. You are right in so far it is very difficult. It would it be, is. if I got a medieval oh, no, no. romance I right can now. tell you that I have tried and Abby have tried. We have tried to defy that. We fell in the moat. 
we yeah. fell in, in the, the moat. <laughs> we it's were, tough because sometimes chain mail because sometimes it, yeah, love is not the writing, enough. But the writing was, was so there. so good. It actually because because I know on mine and I will still plug Chris Kennedy Defiant. Oh, so good, <laughs> so good, so good, and. I loved it so, so much. And I was like, geez, medievals are really, really tough. But this one is so, so good. And then she gave it to me and I said, you're right. Let's do it. it. And but love is not enough always. Not, no, yeah, love despite not what enough. all of our books promise. Right. It is, it is hard. Uh, I think that kind of speaks to one of the things that's interesting about our jobs because we can love a book more than anyone's ever loved a book before or since. And, and yet... It could sell tens of copies. And mm. and a lot of that goes into kind of the nature of publishing and the way in which discoverability is these days. But even, there are no formulas. If we knew how to do this They'd exactly right every time, exactly every book would be a major success and there would be no room for new writers. So I yeah. actually think that there is, there is something about the process. the process that allows for new blood and fresh blood and some have to fail in order for mm. others to even have a shot. Imagine if... Yeah. You know, we were just publishing franchise authors all the all day, every day. Right. No, we would never take a chance on on something new. Franchise authors had to start somewhere. Exactly. Right. And, and 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 as we talked about with Dick Francis and the other one, someday they're going to die, and then exactly. you're left with no more books from that oh, author. No. Yeah. Um. <laughs> and it's it is tough because you can love a book so so much, and your sales force can love a book, mm-hmm. your publisher can love a book. You could do all the things. You could take out the ads and get the marketing campaign and get the publicity hits and everything. I've seen some really good campaigns where the book did not sell mm-hmm. because you cannot make people love right, a book. Yes, love a book. You can lead a horse to water, right? Yes, but- <laughs> and you can be personally enthusiastic and you can lead the charge in that way. But if the, if readers don't come to it, readers don't come to it. Yeah, Lauren, how many submissions a week or a month would you say you'd get? Oh I feel like people always ask this question. We, it's not like we usually count. But I think it depends. This it time depends of year, we, it's drastically reduced mm-hmm. for right. me. Um, say an average yeah, spring month In the month summer, or average or. spring, I'd say I get um, about, a lot, I get a lot, um, <laughs> uh, 10, 20, I don't know. 10 or 20. Right? I'd I have say an I get, assistant who helps a yeah. lot. I'd say I get... 10 a week would be a good average. Yeah. Some yeah, weeks I'm slammed, but some yeah. weeks I get five. Yeah, and I can some I get two, three, right. yeah. you know. So if you this think week about I've that. None, I think. Maybe I two. Didn't get, no, I didn't get any in this week. But if you think about it, it's like you guys are looking at or receiving mm-hmm. between four and 500 submissions a year. Really? Oh, I mean, is that what that is numerically? 10 a month, your 40 a month times 12 months. <sighs> oh. Wow, that's exhausting that's to listen to. Right? I right. kind of regret this career choice. Go you. Um, <laughs> no, it's great. But that's just a sign of, and and as you said, these are agented submissions. Right, so they've already run the they've gamut of a huge... they made it through one funnel already. Right. Um, so that's just a sense of how and daunting sorry. it can be or how... how Magical. Like how magical it, it can be and how any of you who've managed to get that far should already feel pretty damn special. Right. You know? um, and don't quit if because I don't know many people whose first book has been published. Right. Mm-hmm. You need to keep on trying. Right. And I do think there, I don't know if you guys have ever done this, only when the timing is right and s- somehow the stars align. Every once in a while I will read a whole submission and just totally bask in it. Love it. Enjoy it. Never mention it. Never bring it up 
to I I for some whatever reason maybe the writing's not fresh enough maybe there's something I know going on where we've got a glut of a certain type of book and I can't buy this but I just loved it and I and I do think there is value in putting that into the world um even if that book doesn't get published if you're getting back a thoughtful rejection letter something that is encouraging and I know that agents share these with authors which oh i always horrifies me um, oh not me oh i think it's so weird but i know it's real i know that's part of it i use if i love something like you're talking yeah. about i call an agent and right. i spend a long time on a phone and they're like do you mind if i share your thoughts i'm yeah. like absolutely and sometimes i'll give revision points sometimes i'll say I you know do. i no promises i'm not saying that i'm gonna buy this if you do this revision but but if you wanted to make it a little more commercial you could go this way if you wanted to heighten the drama you well could you, spent the time. you spent the time you spent already got the knowledge it's just conveying it right so I always do that and and I think there is value in that and in honing your craft um and in trusting that if you believe in what you're putting out into the world that even if it doesn't work out someone will see the beauty in it yeah Yeah, you could have brought joy and beauty to somebody's day job which is Mm -hmm. like great yeah I think that's something for would-be writers to bear in mind because What's I know super frustrating for so many of them is when you start trying to mm-hmm. move from. Well, I guess I want to say two things. One is writing is not publishing, correct, and it is perfectly acceptable for you to write full length books mm-hmm. that don't see the light of day. Like if you are a writer, you are a writer. You are a writer. You do not have to get published to be a writer, mm-hmm. and um, just because you've written something doesn't mean you have to publish it if you don't want to. Right. If you decide you want to go publish something. Uh, what's very frustrating at the beginning is that there is generally no feedback. You're yes. you're probably going to get form letter after form letter right. from agents, maybe from you know mm-hmm. from publishers if they still take unagented stuff, and it won't tell you anything. You, so there's no point in trying to read into a form letter, which probably right. just says thank you so much for your submission. It's, it's not, not right, right for, for us. Our so list. This is time. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it and then like so many writers will just try and parse it like at this time should I have sent it in June? Yeah. Wait, should I do that? No, that means nothing. It's a form letter that right. they've had since the 1980s, back when you used to have to mimeo it. But the you'll know that the tide is turning if you start getting those f- more personal rejection letters, right? The ones that actually have a piece of information that's about your book, mm-hmm. or then if you actually got a page long pass from an editor they really liked it they read it and thought about it like so those are your interim benchmarks Mm -hmm. even as you're like it's another no i'm like it's a very different kind of no very different you know and that's the sign that you are actually on the road to Mm -hmm. success yeah i think it's um it seems very mysterious Mm -hmm. to people who don't work in publishing i know even even non-writers my family especially will you know when we're chatting at christmas or whatever we'll say what even what do you do like how do you decide if you want a book how do you decide how do you make this decision and at least for me and i would be curious about you guys so much of it is both gut-based and rational because there has to be the spark of joy from the book well i think but then you have to make the argument you have to convince someone who actually hundred percent so that's why i said it's it's the market and it's also the voice and Mm -hmm. for me and for both of you, because I have worked with both of you for a long time, mm-hmm. it's about knowledge of the marketplace. It's about having read a lot of books right. by a lot of different places that actually have been published versus 
just what we have on our own list right. and the submissions we actually have. So I think why it seems a mystery, it is about all the knowledge that we've amassed over the years. I mean, I'm 20 years now. Abby, you're very similar, if yeah. not, you know. Just about. Just about. And so it's one of those things where you've read so many things and I can still recall that, oh, there was a time that when the help was all the rage and now right. that's passe. Right. Not passe, old. It was a long time yeah, ago. Yeah, it's right. old. So I guess the point is it's taking all of your accumulated knowledge mm-hmm. about the market and your love of books and your need to find something different and fresh and what actually still sells right and use all of that for your mm-hmm. for, you know good mm-hmm. and, right it and feels like you're reading tea leaves I, you know it sounds like it, it, it's a it's a mystery and a little mix of many different factors and things and some mm-hmm. of it's luck yeah oh yeah some of it is pure yeah luck mm-hmm. it just shocks me sometimes how something will come in and if i hadn't been in the right mind space to read it, that book, you could let if, it go. Or if somebody, maybe somebody in marketing said something that sparked something that I thought, oh, that could fill, yep. that mm-hmm. could fill that, that could fulfill that reader's desires. Or if I'm at a conference and somebody says, you know, I'm really, I'm jonesing for something like X. Yeah. And then I go back to my desk and I've got X. X. Wait a minute, should I take a closer look at that than yep. I normally would have? Yep. Or, um, or even just personal. Uh, some of my favorite acquisitions have been books that I was told no, or I thought, this is silly, maybe I don't need this, and then couldn't shake it, couldn't couldn't let it go, wanted it, just wanted it really badly, and mm-hmm. was able to muster the data that would allow me to buy it. But there's always that little part of us that that says no to 400 submissions a year, and the overcoming the no impulse, I think, is the first... Yeah. True, but I, I think you said it best. It's luck. It is so much. It luck. is so luck. You, yeah, you know what? Why don't you maybe talk a little bit more without? I mean, obviously, we can't say exactly numbers mm. and things. But you just talked about how you marshal your forces. We mentioned that when we do find the thing we like and pluck it out mm-hmm. of the four hundred submissions or whatever, then we have to go pitch it to our boss. Right. Um, so what kind of things do you use? What's in your arsenal? <laughs> um, and not that we expect a submitter to include mm. this with them, but what are the kind of things that are helpful in convincing someone that you should get to take a flyer on it? Well, as any good English major close reader knows, you can interpret the text however you want. <laughs> so there's a wealth of information that is available to us about sales figures, about trends, about things I read in the Times or something I saw in the news or, um, uh, you know, we have access, of course, to a lot of internal data. So <clears throat> maybe it's pulling out a sentence from a report from another department that indicates that you should Maybe let me try mm. this. Maybe it's I can get this for a steal. I know that nobody else wants it um, because I haven't gotten, you know, the agents will say, <clears throat> I've, this one's really hot right now. I've yeah. got a fr- feeding frenzy. Every editor in town wants this book. And sometimes some of my favorite acquisitions have been ones where it was kind of crickets and I knew that I loved it and I wasn't going to have to overpay because of the market. So, you could then say, listen, let me try. Just let me try. What do you have to lose? Let's throw a reasonable amount of money yeah. you know, to incentivize this author, but not to take away from the profit that we could make on it. Because it is a consumer product. That's mm-hmm. when we talk about all the love and the happiness yes. and all that, it's a 
not only a consumer product but a luxury product and one where I think it's very difficult we had a podcast about this a few weeks ago to even articulate why people pick up for pleasure the books they pick up mm-hmm. um, I was I, I told this story I think a couple weeks ago but I was in an airport and I had a perfectly good new brand new book in my bag and I still went to the bookstore and bought something else because that was the book I wanted to read not this one mm-hmm. absolutely just I cuts. get things in my head yep. and I'm like I just don't feel like that yeah yeah so there are it's it's very hard to pin down but i think one of the biggest uh one of the biggest tools in my toolbox is being able to parse or being able to guide the information that i have and make it work for me that's such a good point because we i was while you said that i made me think yeah because we're so strategic about strengths and weaknesses Mm -hmm. um uh lauren and i just collaborated on something and i won't give too many details but there was an author that we wanted to change formats. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were like, okay, how do we do this? And because we knew we loved her. We, yeah. lo- we knew we loved the her. Writing we knew we wanted there. to keep it. It's not that about the writing. Wasn't an, you know, and we knew it was going to be a great decision. Mm-hmm. And we just needed to convince our boss that it was a similarly great decision. But not all of the track on these books looked like it would fit our new plan Mm -hmm. in the same way because it was just a different you're writing for different audiences or different markets and stuff and so I deliberately didn't bring some information but did bring other information it was like but see how it looks like this this is see how it all fits and it's not deception I think that the key is it's not deception it's no it's actually taking a risk right we were asking our boss to see our rationale and our reasoning mm-hmm. and take the risk that this writer can and will fulfill mm-hmm. what we know she can do. Yeah. And I think I talk with my one a couple of my authors about Soul this a risk. lot. Yeah. Soul book, that that we business. also have to tell a story. You have given us a narrative. We have to tell a story and that and we have to keep telling that story for 18 months or yeah. a year. Yes. We and we have to tell that story to sales, to marketing, to publicity, to random strangers we meet, to agents to convince them why you should let your other author blurb for our author. And those stories evolve, but the editor controls that story. And and I think keeping a tight hold on how people talk about your book, making sure that if you if somebody's using a phrase you don't like or you're seeing a piece, let's say a piece of copy that isn't quite right, nip it in the bud because that piece of copy could get fed out to 60 online retailers and when you change it, it could only feed out to 30. So there's a lot of controlling the narrative and being able to fit, being able to ask other people to buy into your vision. Mm-hmm. Um, another think- one is second reads, another arsenal mm-hmm. tip. We we often have our colleagues read with us and even if, th- one of the, my favorite things about my colleagues is that they can say, hey, I, don't, I did not experience the love the way you are, but if you fixed X, Y, or Z and you have a vision for it, I totally support you. And there's a lot that goes on with shared expertise in that way, where through having those conversations, you get a firmer vision of your own editorial priorities. But the trust that we place in each other and the chorus that we can raise up on behalf of a prospective author is pretty powerful. Yeah. Let's... Let's wrap up with um, a, an encouraging story okay. for writers. Tell a story of um, sorry a book that you loved acquiring that you were just uh, a, a successful book or author that you were really excited to acquire and why. Well, you know, it was it's so funny. Special. I kept on thinking of this over and over, and it was earlier. It wasn't early, but it was I'd say middle of my career. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and paranormal romance had just there were like two people that was really working mm-hmm. it was like Diana Gabaldon and Cara Marie Moaning and I think Sherilyn Kenyon there were the very early early mm-hmm. birds that were the first to this genre and I had an author that I already loved and I loved her voice and I thought she was really smart she was writing historicals um, and she sent this thing in and was like I just wrote a paranormal and I was like oh, I don't <laughs> like that I like historicals and I don't really like this all blood sucking weirdo stuff uh, what is this and change, I, change that title exactly <laughs> I was like I don't really like it and she was like please just trust me so I read it and it was amazing. And I was like, oh, that's what they're beeping about. I get it. Now I want to have sex with a vampire, too. <laughs> um, and so I go to Ed Board. And I don't think you were there yet, um, Abby. Abby wasn't at uh, at Simon Schuster yet. If and de- author, Kate definitely was. Wasn't. Yeah. yeah, Kate <laughs> definitely wasn't. School. Yeah, you were in, like, high school. And I was like to my boss at the time who loves the genre and mm. loves romance and was really great at working with and publishing it and I remember being like you're gonna love this and she was like mm. so she reads it and flash forward the following week and it's we're at ed- editorial board um, and she looks at me and goes yeah Lauren I just didn't like it I think we need to pass and I was like no I, I, I was <laughs> like I don't I, I really I, I honestly you read that you read that and think we should pass on this and she was like yeah, I really do. And it was a very heated, passionate conversation across a boardroom table that I was like, I just don't understand. I, I will not accept that. And she's like, I think we need to take it offline eventually. <laughs> she's like, simmer down, Lauren. Yeah, we'll yeah. talk later. Long story short, I won. Um, <laughs> surprise. Um, but I didn't pay a lot. Mm-hmm. I paid like, I don't know, nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I won't get into money right. here but it was nothing yeah. and we took a risk and that author and eventually she was Cressley Cole and she ended up being a number one New York Times oh. bestseller she was earlier I know knock on wood she was great and I knew it I just knew it when I saw it right. and I was completely there like no yeah. no and I would not rest so I think that the passion and I had comparisons at the time mm-hmm. there were three but I had them right and so I was like, I'd rather be ahead of this trend than behind it. And that's what we did. Yeah. So, you know, that was the only thing that kept on coming to my mind. Yeah. I've been passionate about things after, but I didn't ever have to fight so hard as that. Mm-hmm. Never had to fight so hard. That's a good yeah. fight. It's a good fight. Um, did we... I, I, You know, I don't have a similar story. I have had oh, to fight. Oh, I do. I know which one. I have... I have had to fight River. for a couple of them. Yeah, that was one. <clears throat> I was going to tell my favorite goodness. acquisition story was, well, I have a whole, I love all the acquisitions. That's the best <laughs> moment. There, there's just nothing better. Um, but there was one where I got, it's a it's a thriller that's actually going on sale next week. So it's a timely discussion. But, um, and I, I don't think this will be offensive to this author, but my boss said no. I came in and I said Jen, I have to have this. This agent pitched this to me. I stayed up really late reading it. Not only did I stay up late reading it, I have a post-it noted cover. I post-it noted every line that I love in this book, and I ran out of post-its twice. Like, this is, (laughs) you gotta let me have it. And she was like, ah, I don't, I don't know. And part of that, I think, was probably that I was so excited that I was a little bit inarticulate. I don't think I had pulled my comps yet. I was just really excited and she was like well why don't you get some of your colleagues to read it oh no she said let me read it so she read it and 
she didn't care for it, but I did not ask her about it until editorial because I knew that if I could pitch to my colleagues, they would help a sister out. So <laughs> I, you know, she kind of teed it up a little bit. She was like, yeah, sure, you can pitch it. And so I pitched my little heart out and my lovely colleague said, oh yeah, I'll take a runner, I'll take a read. Give me 50 pages, give me 25 pages, give me 100 pages, whatever. So I disseminated all these pages, got 10 second reads and everybody, very few people said, oh my gosh, I love this. I totally get it, you have to have it. But a lot of people said, if you, if what I'm hearing from you is how you feel, I will totally support you and here are some great things to say and here are some points to work on. Well, we all agreed what was wrong with it. Yeah. You were 100%. I was right. like, get rid of this, do that. You were like, right. uh-huh, uh-huh, yep. uh-huh, uh-huh. We all agreed on a lot of things. And um, and so I pulled all that feedback into one email and sent it to Jen and said, you know, auction's coming up. Here's where my second reads came in. I am, here's my comps. Here are my numbers. I'm begging you to let me play. And she let me play. I went, to her credit, she, even though she didn't see it in the inception, was like, okay, it, I trust my people. Let's do this, and I, I ended up winning the auction, and um, I never looked back. I everything about this book has really brought a lot of joy into my life. The author's really cool. I'm hoping to have her on, um, and we did a great edit on it. We got great reads, and when I ended up giving the edited book to Jen later on, my publisher who made the financial decision, she loved it. After it was edited, she got to see the thing that I saw all along, which was really a good way to explain how editing works absolutely because she doesn't edit right and you can have a vision if you're mm -hmm. an editor you mm -hmm. can see the diamond in the rough yeah you can yeah. see it's like um what's that movie where they're moving all the the, uh, the minority, minority, report. Report. minority, minority report. report where they're they've got the screens and they're moving right. this part here and you doing have this future vision this. future vision yeah yes. it's great do you want to tell the readers, since it was a happy story, what book this is? Oh, I this is The River at Night by Erica Forensic. And it's coming out 110, and it's just a beauty. It's my first hardcover fiction acquisition. and um, Really? Yeah. And I've worked, the, the other thing is the scale of it. I worked on this for 15 months, and tons of other people have been working on it for a year. You know, we really... This is a wonderful life cycle to watch. It's been full of good things, and I hope... That it sells and does really and go it'll be on by sale the next river week, at so night. On sale next week. Leave this post. You know, leave this postcard. Post up. What is it? What do we do? Podcast. Podcast up. Not a postcard. <laughs> and pre-order. Pre yeah, river at night. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play .it. We have one last little thing um, to wrap up today. I think, which mm -hmm. is. Because as we're starting a new year, um, we had a chance to look back at the old year, and our lovely producer Diana um, thought it might be fun to just take a look back at the XOXO Dark Cast in 2016 and find out um, what we did right, what we did right, <laughs> what we did wrong, and maybe what you guys were listening to out yeah. there. Uh, so I'm going to slide over and let her step up to the mic and tell us a little something. Hello. Um, I'm so glad that I got to chat with you guys for a little bit. I think we've had such a great year, and thank you to everyone who's listened and commented and gave us ratings and reviews and subscribed. We'd love for you to do some more. Um, so we, this past year, have had 46 episodes. Wow. Um, that is 1,703 minutes on air. <laughs> oh, no. Somebody take the <laughs> break so Or 28.5 hours. Oh, um, shit. Wow. Yeah, it's crazy. That's terrifying. We've had 22 um, guests. 
Um, wow. Because sometimes, as you know, we do full episodes yeah. or we do quickies. Um, some of our guests have included New York Times bestselling authors like Catherine Coulter, um, USA Today bestselling authors. So we've had Kate Noble, Nic- Nicole Camden, um, Karen Hawkins, uh, Kristen Harmel, Jane Hughes, Lisa Unger, Alice Clayton, Juliet Faye. Elia Winters, Nina Bocci, Lauren Lane, Julia Kelly, Sarah Ryder, JT Elson, <laughs> Sabrina Jeffries. We've had fellow editors and employees from Gallery, um, Ed Schlesinger, sorry, mm-hmm. and Adam Wilson. We've had um, the Ripped Bodice uh, oh, that one was fun. owners, Bea and Lee Koch. Uh, B. B, sorry, B. We've had um, re- most recently Kate H- Hutchinson from Let's See. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. We've had Jen Prophet from Heroes and Heartbreakers. Oh, yes. That one was um, a fun one, too. Fresh Fiction. We had Fresh Fiction on. Well, no, she was in 2016. Yep. She was wow. 2015. Oh, Abby, stay in your lane. Yeah, I know. Stay <laughs> in your lane. Um, and then we've had, I had one other one. I mean, we've honestly, we've, oh, and Andy Dorfman, um, all, fellow author. I mean, author, but also um, personality. Real personality, I guess I should say. Um, so, yeah, we've had a lot of people. So your favorite episodes have been We Swiped Right with Kate. From Litzy. Oh, I totally wanted to uh, join Lindsay after um, that. Oh, yeah, right. And ghosting with Andy Dorfman. <laughs> um, this is the most recent one, so this is up here, but books make the best gifts, so very timely. Um, the IUD will set you free, which I actually really love that that's one of our top listeners. I love that podcasts. one. Um, love is Dead, our quickie about Brangelina. <laughs> um, oh, really? Yeah, and I've, I've just hit rock bottom, now what? Which is when we talked about books where you kind of hit rock bottom and then you... I love up. rock bottom. What a great spread, too. Yeah. Like, I would have thought it would just be our like larger you know, authors authors that were bringing mm-hmm. it in. But I'm so glad that people were listening to some of our let's just talk. Chat. You know, maybe the cookies aren't a bust after all. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And then, um, well, we've made this a full length today. <laughs> I, I know. Um, and then really quickly, some of our topics have been about pirate romances. We've been live from our tea. We had a Joanna Lindsay off. We talked about. Things like a bump in the night. We talked about Pokemon Go. We <laughs> talked about how to party like it's 1919. Um, we did. We've talked about New York City um, in the summer, New York City in the winter. Like, <laughs> New York City all year long. New York City, traveling <laughs> to Thailand and to Florida and to Rome. Um, you know, we've been everywhere. The equestrian team. Didn't we talk about pumpkin spice? Talked about no, that was last year. Ah, oh. uh, we've aired our grievances from last year, so maybe we'll oh, do it in the one. new maybe year. We'll do that one next. We've talked about our moms, our dads. Um, but yeah, we've really gone everywhere, both in books and on the podcast. So thank you. Remember to subscribe. Remember to rate us um, or review us. We love you. We're happy. Thanks for to hanging be out here. with us. And yeah. remember, the best best conversations, conversations happen after dark. dark.